Well, you have your Bibles tonight. Uh, we have been in the book of Proverbs for a while, and I want you to come to the 23rd proverb. And we've been looking at what we call 40 points of good character. And um, I don't know if I ought to tell you this or not, but originally I planned this for five nights, eight points a night. And uh, y'all know I've only gotten one or two a lot of nights. And so we've been here a long time. And I don't know if I'll do any better tonight. Uh, and actually, I know I won't. Uh, but we're looking at 40 points of good character. And we've come all the way to the 31st point. And we're going to find that uh, in Proverbs uh, 23, verses 4 and 5. And I want you to notice what it says in Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Now this uh, 31st uh, point of good character uh, that I've pulled out of here, I simply entitled this thing, Does Not Live for Riches. Does Not Live for Riches. And one of the things that, uh, that the Word of God is very clear on is that you and I have to live to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in, in everything I'm going to use here tonight and say, I understand, so does the Lord, and now I'll bring this out, uh, that we have to live in this world. And we do live in the world. And it does take um, uh, finances. But our main focus should not be on that. We do not live for that. And, and so we, we find here, he, he just makes a statement, uh, Solomon does, he says, listen, I'm going to tell you something, if that's what your, your whole focus of life is, is just being rich, just being wealthy, uh, those riches are going to make themselves wings and they're going to fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And I've lived long enough now to watch this happen. I've lived long enough now to see things happen in, 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 in lives. And uh, Elizabeth and I have, have been married long enough and seen in just an instant that your whole thing can change. And there's a lot of things can change that. Uh, my goodness, uh, one, uh, one storm can change that. And one doctor's visit can change that. And there's all kinds of things can change that. And, and if that's the only thing you're living for, your life is going to be in a, a constant turmoil. And, and, and so what we should be living for? Well, serving the Lord. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with this whole subject on the sermon, in the Sermon on the Mount. And so once you open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6 with me tonight, and we're going to get a, actually a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, 12 verses out of Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse number 19. Now, uh, let, let me just sort of set the stage while you're turning there. Uh, this is the first recorded message that we have of our Lord in His earthly ministry. Now, it probably is not the first message He preached, but it's the first one by inspiration that he gave to us, and we have it recorded. And so here, uh, this message uh, uh, encompasses Matthew's chapters 5, 6, and 7. And, and it deals with uh, uh, 25 or so main points of the Christian life. And it deals with about everything you and I can think of, actually. Uh, as he started his ministry, he just dealt with all kinds of things in life. And one of the things that's going to be dealt with is this thing of, uh, of what are we living for and what is our, our heart and, and what are we doing. 
So we start in verse 19, and you're going to see a, a number of, of these points as we go all the way through the end of this chapter. And, and we're going to tie this in to that principle does not live for riches. Verse number 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, uh, I started with those three verses because uh, there's a principle here that Jesus is lining out. He said, I'm going to tell you something. Wherever your treasure is, there's where your heart's at. Whatever you treasure... Whatever is is that you're seeking and that you're working toward and, and that you're trying to accomplish, that you spend your time and your effort at, uh, that, that's where your heart's at. And the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned with my heart tonight. He's concerned with your heart tonight. And, and, and that, that's what he's after. And so the Lord says, now listen, if your whole of your life is laying up treasure here, if that's the whole of your life, then that's where your heart's at. And, and, and one of these, those things can corrupt. They could be stolen. Uh, it's along the same parable as, he, as the Lord gave about the rich man whose his ground brought forth plentifully. And he didn't have any word to bestow his goods. And he pulled down all of his barns and said, I'm going to build greater barns and Bestow all of my goods and say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord said, Thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee, and in whose those things be thou hast provided. And, and this is the principle that the Lord is saying. He says, Listen, you, 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 you live in this world. He created all of this. And, and, and he, he created us uh, uniquely and special for here. And he has a purpose for us. And the purpose is, is not for, for you and I for, to seek just to get all that we can. There is more to life than that. And so the Lord here in this passage, he says, now listen, if all that you're doing is laying up for yourselves treasures here, you understand something? You ought to be laying up treasures in heaven. You ought to be laying up things that's, that's eternal, that cannot be stolen, that cannot be corrupted. You, you ought to have your heart in that direction. And he said, and then there's a little test here. And the Lord says, he says to me, he says, hey, Mike, I can tell you where your heart's at. That's what you treasure. And that's what the Lord says to me on a daily basis, by the way. And that's what the Lord says to you on a daily basis. He says, I can tell where your heart's at. It's what you treasure. I mean, I can say I love the Lord. I can say I want to serve the Lord. But the Lord looks at where my heart's at and what my treasure at, and that's where my heart's at, what I'm treasuring, what I'm treasuring. And so we, we start this principle of does not live for riches with these three verses, is where's my heart? It depends on where my treasures are at and what I treasure. Every time that I read that passage, I've said this here before, I've, I've got a preacher friend of mine that when he was a young preacher, um, he was listening to Lester Roloff preach. And some of you folks old enough to have heard, maybe even heard Lester Roloff. And, and he was preaching on this passage. And he's sitting in the service. And, and he said, uh, Brother Roloff said, 
whatever you're thinking about right now is what you treasure. And he said, I was thinking about two hound dogs I had behind my house. And I was going to go coon hunt when I get home. He said, I went home and sold them hound dogs. And, uh, and there's a great truth in this. I mean, what, what is, what's my treasure? What's your treasure? You, do, you, do you treasure the Lord? Your, your fellowship with Him? Is your, is your service to the Lord important to you? Is it something, uh, seeing people saved and seeing your family saved and seeing them serve the Lord and, and being faithful? I know this is a Wednesday night, but that's where my treasure's got to be. It's where your treasure's got to be. And so the Lord lays out, number one, as I looked through this and, and laid this out for this lesson, I thought, uh, doesn't live for riches. Number one, we find in those three verses, where's my heart at? It's whatever I treasure. Now, let's pick up and begin reading again in, in verse number 22. And, and all of this passage is going to deal with this all the way down to verse 34. And I want you to notice, we're, we'll, we'll pick up another one here. Verse 22 and 23. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Now here the Lord says, listen, you're, 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 the, the light you have is, is, is through the eyes, using a physical light. Well, Jesus is the light of the world. And we, we talked about this last Sunday and uh, Jesus being the light of the world, who preached on that. And, and Jesus is the light of the world. And if I am not letting him be my light, then whatever light I have is from the world. And therefore, it's not really light at all. Now, let, let me, let, let's get a verse for this, Okay. Put something here, and I want you to go to John chapter 1. I want you to see again what John, uh, what Jesus says, and is what's said in John chapter 1 about Jesus. So in John chapter 1, we begin reading, and we'll just begin reading in verse 1. Uh, it's important to start there, I guess. And we're reading John chapter 1, verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the, and the life was the light of men. Now I want to stop just a second. You see, if I'm looking at the light that I have in my life, and if you're looking at the light that you have in your life, Jesus is the Creator, and all life came from Him. And then the light of life, how to live life, comes from him, that life that he's given. Now keep reading the text, verse number 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehend it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, and all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was a true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so now go back to, to, to Matthew 5 or 6 with, with me, please. And in Matthew 6, uh, we see again now uh, the light of the body is the eye. That's your spiritual eye. If you're not letting the Lord Jesus Christ be your light, then what light we have is darkness. 
And, and if that's all the light I have, then how great is that darkness? Now, what does that have to do with, with this uh, just living for riches? Well, uh, if, if all I live for, if my whole life is wrapped up in the treasures I get here, that's pretty empty. And, and that's a darkness. And it's going to be a great darkness that just engulfs me. And you, 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 well, I'll never have the peace of God. I'll never have what God wants me to have in life. And that is a great darkness if that's all that I do is I live just for the treasures of this life. All right, now keep reading. Next verse, we'll start in verse uh, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either you hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I want you to notice that word mammon. Uh, oftentimes we read that and, and you think, well, he's talking about the devil. And in one respect, the Lord is. There, there's only two real powers, spiritual powers in the world. There's God and Satan. And we understand that. But here in this text, he say, he's, he's keeping this principle uh, about where our heart's at and, and where our, our, our light is at. And he, and he says, now listen, you, you can't serve two masters. Nobody can. You, you can only serve one master at a time, all of us. And by the way, we are serving one master. Uh, you may not think you're serving a master, but you are serving a master. All of us are. We're all serving something one way or another. We're either serving the Lord or we're serving ourselves. and We're serving the devil and we're serving uh, this. And so in this text, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, I cannot say that I'm serving God and I've given my heart to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and then serve mammon. Well, mammon is making reference uh, back to riches and it's making reference to wealth. And he says, no, you can't serve both. You can't serve both. Yeah, you're you're going you're to serve one or the other. I'm either going to serve God and, and, and I'm going to put God first in my life or, or I'm, I'm not, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve this. And, and, and so now you, you see whenever we've seen this over here, labor not to be rich, and, and this 31st uh, thing of do, doesn't live for riches, uh, Jesus is saying, there's three things he says so far. He says, now listen, you ought to be where your heart's at, where your treasure's at, that's where your heart's at. And if you, this, the light is uh, darkness, then it's a great darkness. And now he says, you're, you're going to serve one or the other. Now he illustrates that. Starting in verse 25, there's some illustration where he gives really like a parable within this message about the illustration of what he's just said. There's, there's a couple of things here that he gives. Verse 25, Therefore, every time you find the word therefore, go back and find out what therefore is therefore. It's making reference to what was above it. So now he's, he's going to, it's still referencing this whole principle and he says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Now, by the way, the things he mentioned here are not bad things. I mean, the things that he mentions in verse number 25, when he says, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or, or, uh, or what you shall drink or for your body, what you shall put on. We're talking about daily needs. We're not talking about uh, something that we look at that is that we might say that's a lustful thing. 
uh, or even a prideful thing. We're, we're looking at things where you say, hey, I've got to eat. Uh, and when we eat well, I've got to eat. I've, I've, got to, I've got to have sustenance on a daily basis. I've got to, I've got to have clothing. And, and, and so I need those things. And we would might say, we could refer this and say, well, you know, some basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter. And, and then Jesus makes this statement. And he says, you know what? There's more to your life than those things. There's more to your life than those things. Now, the world wouldn't think that. As human beings, we wouldn't think that. As a matter of fact, the great vast majority of the world is, is just living from day to day for those things. And, and everything they're doing is, is for those things, just to be able to have food, clothing, and shelter. Nothing wrong with it doesn't seem like to us. And the Lord says, there's more to life than that. There's more to life than that. Now, what's he saying? And, and, and what, is he, what is the principle being taught here? And, and he, hasn't, he hasn't lost it. And, and so he says, now listen, there's more to life than what it takes to live. There's more to life than your daily needs. If that's all that you're wrapped up in, then you, really you're probably nothing more than an animal because that's all they do. It's just, they, they're just looking at what they're going to have, what's in front of them each day, and that's it. All right, now keep reading, because watch the illustration. Keep reading the illustration, verse 26. Behold, fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now he begins to ask a question. He says, Behold, look, pay attention. All the fowls of the air. You ain't never seen one of them out there. That's good grammar, wasn't it? You ain't never seen none of them out there. Uh, you haven't ever seen any of them out there uh, plowing the field and sowing the field and reaping the field and you haven't ever seen that. And God takes care of them. And he's making a point. He's making a point to you and I to understand why that I might live for riches. And God says, I take care of those fowls. And you're better than them. You're more important to me than they are. And he said, I'm going to take care of you. That's the point he's making with that. Now watch the next illustration. The next illustration is uh, verse uh, number 27. I've always thought this was an interesting one. Uh, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic under his stature? That's an interesting thing. He asks a question. Uh, a cubit's about 18 inches. And he said, which one of you can think about it and increase your height by 18 inches? And as uh, short as I am, I'd still be as tall as most of you if I could do that. But the truth of the matter is, uh, you, you can't do that. It's an impossibility. And, and, and so when he asks a question, it's not just a redundant question. It's not just something he's asking to sow confusion. It's a question that's like, well, you cannot do that. And, and so since you know you can't do that, then if you sit around and worry about how tall or short you are, it really doesn't do you any good at all. There's a truth in that. By the way, there's a time in, in, in life that every one of us, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, you're going to get content the way God made you. You're going to get content with your physical size, and you're going to get content with what you are and what you're not. And, and, and you have to get content with that. If you don't get content with that, you're in trouble. And, and he's saying, now, you can't change that. All right, so we understand that. And now watch the next illustration. 
uh, in this question, I should say, in verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, they grow not. Uh, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, all ye of little faith? Now stop just a minute. Now, now he uses another illustration. He says, consider the lilies. There was a great song on consider the lilies. And he says, consider the lilies and, and look how that they're, how beautiful they are. And, and they don't do any toiling. They don't do any spinning. And they just grow because God makes them grow. And even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed or as, could not cover himself like them. And he says, now, if I take care of those lilies, that's going to grow and then die in a day. Don't you know I'll take care of you? And so what God is saying here, he's, he's, he, Jesus is saying, he's saying, you need to understand a, a thing. You're not to live. And your heart is not to be in riches. It's got to be on me. And if you serve me, I will Take care of you. And that's the principle that he's been that he's been bringing down from verse nineteen all the way down. He's used several illustrations with that. He's saying you're going to trust me, and I love you, and you're you're valuable to me. You're more valuable than the sparrows. And if I can clothe the grass of the field, I can clothe you. You're you're more valuable than these things. And if I feed them, I can feed you. If I clothe them, I can clothe you. You're more valuable than that. And I want you to trust me. All right, now keep reading. Next verse, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or whether else shall we clothe? By the way, we take thought of that every day. As a matter of fact, probably before we go to bed now, we think, What am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to... Uh, what am I going to wear? And what, what am I going to do? And sometimes we're asking those questions sort of rhetorically because we have really been blessed with what we can eat and what we can wear. Uh, and, and some of this that he's making reference to, they didn't have, didn't, they were asking, what are we going to eat tomorrow? They didn't have anything to eat. And what are we going to be clothed for? They didn't have any clothes. And it's really a, a, a position of being destitute. And he says, uh, you know, you, you really shouldn't worry about that. Why does he say that? That's very important. It's very important that we not be destitute and starving and freezing. It's, it's very important. Is it not? We'll keep reading. And, and he, verse 32, and he talks about us Gentiles a little bit. And it says, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Now, it begins to bring this thing to a, to a close, this thought. He says, now, that's, that's how the Gentiles live. That's all they're after, is, is, is they're, they're, they're just living for riches. And he says, what they seek after, it's a whole treasure. The only light they have is real darkness, and they, that's what they're after. But then notice the last part of verse 32. Your heavenly Father knoweth you need these things. Now here's great truth. 
Now, I remember after getting saved as a teenager, coming across this, this principle. And I had a, a youth director, a couple of youth directors actually, that spent some time just teaching on faith and putting God first and letting God be first in my life. And, and this was one of the principles. God knows you've got to eat tomorrow because He created you that way. There's great truth in that. God knows you need clothing because He created you that way. So God knows exactly what my daily needs are. I don't have to tell Him. He knows more about my daily needs than I know. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow that I don't know. He knows what I'm going to need and He knows what I'm going to have to have in my life. God knows more about that than I know. As a matter of fact, He knows more about that than those of us worrying about it. Great truth in that. And so He ends verse 32 by saying, God, your Father, and notice the way where He didn't say God. He says, your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He's saying, listen, your, your heavenly Father, one that loves you, as a child, wants to take care of you. He knows your needs. Now watch verse 33. It's an off-quoted verse. I think sometimes we don't do it justice because we really ought to start back in verse 19 and come down to verse 33 to get the full, uh, real context of what verse 33 then says. And it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, now I'm going to make you a promise. Jesus says, if you'll live for me instead of riches, if you will live to serve me and put me first, you know what I'll do? I'll take care of the rest of that. Now, now by the way, that doesn't mean that I'm to lay around and not work. You've got to put Scripture with Scripture, and we'll see a little bit of that in a minute. But the truth of the matter is, he says, if you'll put me first, you'll serve me, and you'll seek me, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And I remember as a young, as a teenager and a young adult, and Elizabeth and I were dating, this was some of the things that we discussed. That we're going to live for the Lord. We'll put Him first. And if he can't take care of me physically, if he can't take care of Elizabeth and I physically, he's going to have a hard time taking care of me spiritually. And if I can't trust him to take care of me here on this earth that he controls, how am I going to trust him to take care of me spiritually? And so Jesus is giving this thing. He's saying, listen, I know you've got to live. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually wants us to enjoy the land. There's a great truth in that also. He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you not to live for riches. I want your treasure to be serving me. And I'll take care of you. Now verse 34 is another great verse that he ends this thought with. And, and it says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the marsh will take thought for the things of itself, sufficient and day is the evil thereof. You know, there's a lot of folk tonight that are absolutely 
living in fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. And there's two or three things about that. Number one, God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Number two, you may not live to get there. <laughs> you waste a lot of time worrying about something that didn't take place. And uh, by the way, I always knew that and I always understood that. And, and, and the Lord blessed me. He let me live. But y'all know, a lot of you know, you know it, some of you know it real well. You were here. But 18 years ago, that was a reality to me. And there's a great truth in that. I, mean, I always said I'm ready to die and I trust the Lord. But whenever they, when you're laying where I was at and they say, you're not going to live, you're going to die, then it becomes reality. But you know what? This stuff in this life is just stuff. And what's more important is I serve the Lord. What's more important whenever they, they told me I was going to die at 41 years old is like, I want my kids to have seen that I serve God. I wanted my kids to have seen that, that my life was not wrapped up in things or pleasures, but it was wrapped up in Christ. Because that is what's going to sustain them through life. One of my churches said, and God just reiterated that. And listen, a lot of times people say, you don't seem to worry about anything. Well, if God can't handle it, I don't think me worrying about it can handle it. And if I can't just give it to God and let God handle it, I'm probably in trouble. And there's great truth with that. Just let Him handle it. And He will. Now I'll get a couple of the passages and we'll close this point out tonight. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 16 also. And, and, and I want you to, Jesus now has really just explained what Solomon was saying there in Proverbs 23 about not living for riches is why that we ought to live for Christ. Put Him first and seek Him. Now He'll take care of the rest of it. We ought to do that. But whenever we're in Proverbs chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to begin reading verse 21, it's an interesting passage here. You'll find this same passage in Mark 8 and Luke 9. Uh, all, those three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, will cover this same exact thing. And it says the same thing. A little bit different view, but it says the same thing. And, and I want you to notice what happens here. Beginning in verse number 21. Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, I want you to catch the passage. It's important you understand this to get the principle that's going to be taught about where my treasure ought to be and what I'll be living for. Jesus came to this earth to go to Calvary. The purpose he was born was to go to Calvary and die for our sins. That was the whole purpose he came. And so now he's in the earthly ministry. He's to the end of this ministry. And he's headed toward Jerusalem for the crucifixion. And he's telling his disciples this is going to take place. And he's telling them that he's going to be crucified and that he's going to be raised the third day. Now Peter... Uh, he doesn't like any of that. I, this is always just an astounding passage to me. It's, it's clear in Matthew, a little bit more it is in Mark and Luke, that it's Peter. But Peter says, Lord, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine telling Jesus you're wrong about something? That's what Peter's saying. And I want you to notice what Jesus does with him because Peter's thinking his, 
as you and I would think, as human beings. This is the Lord. This is the creator of the universe. This is the Messiah. And that's how he knows him. And he's like, no, this, is no, this cannot be the will of God. This cannot be what you came for. Because he truly doesn't understand the crucifixion. None of them did at that point yet. And so Peter begins to rebuke him. Now next, watch the next verse. Watch verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Now what a rebuke. I mean, Peter loves Jesus. The only reason he's saying that is because he can't imagine these things happening to him. But Jesus just turns and says to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense unto me. Because you're trying to, you're thinking what man wants, not what God wants. And then he makes this statement. Keep reading. Verse number 24. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, here comes the, the question. And Jesus says, now what's it going to profit you if you gain the whole world and go to hell? And I thought about that a little bit more. There's more to it than just that. What did it profit Lot? to gain what he gained. He lost it all. But more importantly, he lost his family. What would it profit me if I gained great riches and my children wasn't saved? Or my grandchildren? Oh, what a horrible loss that would be. What a horrible thing it would be if I gained great wealth and my family and friends and people I loved went to hell. What good would it be? And one final passage. I want you to open your Bible uh, with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. I'll start reading in verse number 3 and we'll close out this thought. Of one of the, the 31st point of good character is doesn't live for riches. I want you to notice something here. Paul is, by inspiration, giving young Timothy some instruction that is very vital to us. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy and strife and evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. It's great truth there. He says, Timothy, now you're, you're going you're gonna to run into some folks 
they're not going to listen to the, to the teaching of the Lord. And they're not going to listen to the word of God. And, and they're going to suppose that gain, God, uh, riches, is godliness. They're going to try to connect those two things together. And that was a problem with the church at Laodicea. I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And Jesus says, you're wretched and poor and blind and naked and miserable. They supposed that gain was godliness. So he, keeps, he makes that point. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And one of the things that I have to do is get content where God's got me and get content with what God's doing with me and, and what God's given me. It's what all of us have to do. Verse 7, why, why does he say that? For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Here's <laughs> a great, great truth. Uh, I, I've preached a lot of funerals in my, in, in my ministry. And I'm going to tell you, I've preached funerals for some folks that had a lot of uh, worldly goods. And the very instant they died, they left every bit of it to somebody else. And sometimes before the funeral was over, somebody else had done spin it. What they had really worked hard on keeping. There's a fact of that. Done wasted it. Their whole life was wrapped up in, in that. And it was gone. And, and, and it didn't do them any. They didn't carry it with them. And Paul says to Timothy, he says, Now, Timothy, listen. You ain't going to carry it with you. You're not. You brought nothing into this world and you don't carry anything out. The only thing you're going to have out is the treasure you laid up in heaven, which is what you lay up before you leave. Now watch the next verse. And have it, verse 8, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. He says, you know what? You just need to be content that God takes care of you. And He will take care of you. Verse 9, but they that we rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now we'll stop at verse 9 and 10 just a minute. I'm about done. He says, you know something? This love of money is the root of all evil. It's an interesting thing. Every time there's some sort of crime committed, there's this little saying, well, you want to find out what happened? Just follow the money. Where do you think that come from? There's a biblical concept here. Just follow the money. You'll find out what's going on. Just follow the money. You, you want to find out what's going on? A lot of things people are doing. Just follow the money. It'll tell you. It'll answer a lot of questions. And, and so he says, you know what that does? It pierces you with a, a lot of sorrows. And, and, and he says, and by the way, it's not wrong if God blesses you. And by the way, I think God does bless us. I, I thought about this as I was preaching this message. I, I told my wife one night, we were talking about this very thing, and it's just she and I, we were actually in, our, in, a, in a camper. And I told her, I said, do you, do you realize that our grandparents would think we were wealthy? Our grandparents that were, that were raised on this mountain would think that she and I, she looked at me and just she and I, the kids were grown. And I said, do you understand that? And said so they were raised, they lived, were born and raised 
and things in our barns are better than what they were raised in. No running water, no electricity. Whatever they eat, they had to scrounge out of the woods and off, just pull it out of the ground. They had to cook it over an old wood stove and they had to cut the wood. And I said, and here we are, if we're too hot, we flip a little switch over here and it cools us off. We got more food than we can eat in this thing for a month. And we just left for a couple of days. Boy, God's been good. You understand what I'm saying tonight? I mean, when I was, I thought of this when I was raised up. I didn't have a closet full of shoes. My goodness, I had a pair of shoes that was my good shoes. And if I wore them when I shouldn't, I got a whooping. Because I had one pair. I had one coat. And you didn't mess that thing up. In my lifetime, I've seen God bless in a mighty way. But I've also seen us covet that, just like this right here says. And all we do is just want more and more and more. And it pierces us through with many sorrows. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we've raised a generation and all they think about is how much they can get and what they can get and how much it is. And they... Don't want to work for it. Don't think they should work for it and think they're entitled to it. And they're not content with food and raiment. And you and I ought to understand something. One of the points is good character. Is that we don't live for riches. We live for Jesus. Now He's good to us. He's a great Heavenly Father. And I'll close with this next last verse and a thought. But thou, man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. There's great truth in that. You and I, as men and women of God, we ought to flee these things. Be thankful for how good God has been to us. But we ought to understand something. We ought to be content where God's put us. There's one thought. Well, we've got a great Heavenly Father. And I thought about this today. I've, my children are grown. And I've got grandchildren. And if, you, if you've got children, grandchildren, you understand what I'm about to say. You know what every parent wants to do to your children? You want to give them something. You want to help them. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's just what we want to do. A lot of times we want our children to have it easier than we had it. That may not be a good thing because sometimes those hard lessons we learn prepared us for life. But our Heavenly Father is a better parent than we are. And you know why He blesses us sometimes? Is because if He delights in us and we delight in Him, He just wants to bless just like we do. But we ought to learn to be content with what He's given me and put Him first in my life. One of the points of good character doesn't live for riches. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy your family. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I appreciate you being here tonight. Y'all been very attentive.